This episode is brought to you by No Meat Athletes Complement Protein. Complement Protein is made with just five real food ingredients and no additives, fillers, or sweeteners. It was designed to be strong enough to fuel our training and clean enough for our kids. Learn more at lovecomplement.com. That's complement with an E and use code NOMEAT for $10 off your first order. This episode is also brought to you by Element, the electrolyte drink with everything you need and nothing you don't. Yep, that means a lot of salt and zero sugar. Try it today for just the cost of shipping. Go to drinkelement.com slash athlete. That's drinklmnt.com slash athlete. Hi, this is Hope. This is Kareem. Hi, this is Katie from Washington, D.C., and you're listening to No Meat Athlete Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of No Meat Athlete Radio. I am Doug Hay, and today I am am joined by a good friend, Pamela Ferguson. Welcome back. Thank you. So happy to be back. Yeah, it's been... I don't. I, I should have looked up when the last time you were on the podcast was. It has been a good long while, but you've done a lot with Nomad Athlete over the years, and uh, and we're excited to kind of have you back on now. How you been? Everything is going great. I've made a big move with my family a couple of years ago out to British Columbia, Canada. So on the West Coast, we're in the interior in the mountains, and mm. it's beautiful here. And it's turned out to be just perfect timing just before the pandemic to move to like a beautiful um, kind of isolated um, mountain town where fortunately for us, um, we have so many wonderful places to go running and hiking and like enjoy natural beauty um mm-hmm. and uh you know we are a bit protected as well from high prevalence of covid out here so um, i'm very grateful for that i'm very aware of how many people are struggling in larger centers yeah yeah i i can't tell you how many times i have thanked past me for for leaving dc uh before we had a pandemic of course no one would have ever known that but um you know i just i feel so badly for my friends and all the people who live in these Mm -hmm. big cities and just you know they're so much more confined than than we are absolutely yes yeah i'm grateful and now even especially more so yeah absolutely well that is great i'm glad to hear that you're doing well and um yeah, do you, are you a winter sports person? Do you like ski and stuff? I do. I like it. I'm not like <laughs> I like it. I'm not a huge winter person in general, but um, <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy skiing absolutely. I like I love cross country and downhill. Good. Yeah. Well, I think the last time you were on, we talked about uh, intermittent fasting. Mm-hmm. which I imagine that was probably the last time on because you did a whole program with us. And I am happy to report that I have been fairly consistent with it ever since then, ever since we did the 30-day challenge a while back. Um, oh, I love with, that. Yeah, mostly, you know, somewhere you, like fourteen ten is kind of my uh-huh. sweet spot. Um, so not super aggressive, but it just like having those boundaries has um, has – really put some structure to my eating habits. And, uh, and I think it's just really, it's giving, it's been a good way for me to, um, I don't know, make sure I'm not snacking late night and, you know, kind of mm-hmm. easing into the morning with food and stuff like that. So I, I don't, I've really enjoyed it. And it's been, I think, a really good, healthy experience for me. 
I'm so glad to hear that. And yes, I definitely advocate for people taking a gentle approach to intermittent fasting. It does not need to be aggressive. And I follow something similar myself, usually somewhere around an eight to 10 hour window, sometimes stretching out to a 12 hour window and just um, kind of follow um, a, a fairly relaxed pattern. But I do think that I'm still getting a lot of health benefits from that. And I enjoy it as well. Awesome. Well, today we're going to be talking about fiber, which, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are talking about fiber right now. It seems like I'm, I'm just hearing it pop up in different emails and blog posts and podcasts and stuff. But it's one of those one of those things that I think a lot of people don't really know that much about and mm-hmm. uh, and also maybe have some um, preconceived notions that are somewhat incorrect or, or at least mm-hmm. uh well, I don't know, maybe inaccurate or um, or not the whole story, I guess. And mm-hmm. so I'm excited to kind of dive deep into fiber today because uh, it'll open my eyes and I'm sure it'll open a lot of eyes for, for the listeners as well. But fiber, you know, when people think of fiber, they think of poop, right? Yes. <laughs> and, and of course, they are very much connected. But I think that's why no one wants to talk about fibers because no one wants to really talk about poop. But why don't you go into what fiber is like just really generally speaking what fiber is what it does for the body and uh and we'll start with that well you know i think fiber is something to actually get really excited about and not be afraid to talk about at all in fact i almost always whenever i'm speaking i say you know if you get one thing out of this talk i would encourage you to try to meet or exceed your fiber requirements just Hmm go home and try to do that. And if you just do that, you will um, improve your health, uh, no doubt. And, you know, the good thing is, if you're listening to this podcast, probably you're already uh, switched on to the benefits of eating plants. And fiber only comes from plants. So if you're a plant eater, if you're a person who uh, maybe exclusively eats plants or mostly eats plants, if you're vegan or plant-based, then um, you're already streets ahead uh, because fiber only comes from plants. And I think that's one first um, misconception that we need to get rid of out there. I think some people believe that meat has fiber because maybe it sort of looks fibrous or something, you know, mm-hmm. we think of muscle fibers, but that is not dietary fiber that we are talking about. Um, hmm. So only uh, plants have fiber and fiber is actually a carbohydrate. However, we don't digest it. So it doesn't count. It doesn't give us calories, doesn't give us energy like other carbohydrates do. Um, What can digest uh, fiber is the microbes in our gut. And it want the microbes in our gut, they want that fiber. Um, They that is what they want to eat. So I think that's a great starting place for us is just thinking about these microbes in our gut, our microbiome, which it's like having trillions of little pets <laughs> living in your microbiome, and you've got to feed them. And what do they want to eat? They want to eat fiber. So it's not about um, necessarily feeding ourselves. It's about feeding our microbiome. And our microbiome is going to give back to us in terms of our health in so many ways if we keep our microbiome healthy. And the key to that is fiber, and the key to fiber is plants. 
Okay. All right. So there is a lot to unpack there and I want to kind of go through it one by one, but maybe what we should do is start with the microbiome, which is another thing that everyone's talking about. I mean, I'm, I'm hearing microbiome thrown around all the time, but for me anyway, that that's fairly new. I, you know, several years ago, uh, I don't remember, or not even several, just a couple of years ago, I don't remember people talking about their microbiome as much. Um, so what is a microbiome and so why do we need to feed it? Like, wh- why is it important? Because I don't really like a bunch of pets living inside me. That's kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry to say, but you do have you do have millions, not millions, sorry, trillions of organisms living in <laughs> your gut. This is, I mean, you know, I've heard the question, are we actually, uh, you know, human individuals or are we hosts for our um, gut microbes? Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I think it's good to just um, accept the fact that your microbes are there and set about to taking good care of them and they will also then take good care of you. Um, so So yes, these little uh, organisms that live in your gut are helping you um, digest food. They're helping with hormonal regulation. They're helping with uh, really so many functions in our body. And in fact, uh, 70% of our immunity in our body is related to our gut health. It happens in the gut. So we can't really um, downplay how important the gut microbiome is in terms of our overall health. It's really one of the most important things um, in terms of keeping us healthy is keeping a healthy gut. And there are other factors to keeping a healthy gut. It's not only about diet. Sleep is also important. Exercise, uh, getting out in nature is important. you know, reducing stress is important. So it's not only about diet, but diet is uh, the number one factor. Okay. So the microbiome, it's bacteria, right? Is that? Right. Yes. Okay. So, and this is, you know, obviously there's good bacteria and bad bacteria. This is all the good bacteria, I assume. Um, Yeah. So we're wanting to feed that good bacteria. And actually, you know, I think that there are different kinds of microbes living in your gut. I'm not sure it's all bacteria. I think there are actually different kinds of microbes. Um, And, you know, I think the key is to me, like maybe not worrying too much about all of the details about all the different types of microbes living in your gut, unless that's something you're really into. I think the key is just learning like how to look after a healthy gut and what to do um, in order to help it to thrive. And uh, the good thing about it is that your gut is very responsive to changes in your behavior. So, you know, we've been talking about feeding your gut um, and feeding those good bacteria. And then, you know, when we eat healthier food, when we um, are choosing more fiber, choosing more plants, then we start to crave those things more. I mean, I think I've heard that so many times from different people. I'm sure you've heard that too. This thing where, you know, someone will be maybe eating a standard American diet. They try switching to a healthier, more plant-based diet. For the first few weeks, it's hard. They have so many cravings for some of the foods that they uh, were eating before. And that's like some of that bad bacteria in your gut is actually kind of craving those more unhealthy options. But the more you feed that good bacteria, um, the more you're going to crave 
uh, the fiber and the plants. And so once again, like who's actually having these cravings, you know, um, right, this is right. maybe a bit of an existential point, but it's like, <laughs> are you having the cravings or is your mic, are your gut microbes having the cravings? Again, I don't know if it's good to go too far down that rabbit hole, but <laughs> instead just, just think about how you can um, use this to your advantage and get your gut microbes craving the healthy foods. Okay. All right, I'm sold. Maybe those pets are little aliens. I'm, I'm going to call them little aliens. <laughs> are, are, are good for me. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll let them be. All right, before we get to the next question, let's pause for a second to thank our sponsor. I'm going to bring Matt Frazier back in for this one. Doug, we have a very special sponsor this time. This episode of Knowing Athlete Radio is brought to you by our very own new and improved complement protein. A few years ago, I was unable to find a protein powder clean enough to match my healthy diet, and I decided to make my own. The result was a clean, five-ingredient formula made with real foods. Today, I'm happy to share the formula. Just got an upgrade, swapping out watermelon seeds with vitamin and mineral-rich sunflower seeds. Our protein checks all the boxes. No additives, fillers, sweeteners, or natural flavors. No secret ingredients hiding behind a special blend. A flavorless taste for mixing, blending, or baking into other real food, which is super important. Ingredient ratios printed right on the bag and third-party testing for purity and potency. Matt, I had my daily dose of complement protein this morning with a smoothie. I like, like that. I do every day. My son has had his daily that he does for his soccer. He also has a daily chocolate smoothie with uh, complement protein in there. You can get your first bag at lovecomplement.com. That's complement with an E. And use code NOMEAT for 10% off at checkout. That's lovecomplement.com and use code NOMEAT for $10 off your first order. This episode of Nomad Athlete Radio is also brought to you by Element, the electrolyte drink with everything you need and nothing you don't. As athletes, we know that electrolytes are critical for feeling and performing our best. They help with muscle cramps, fatigue, and so much more. But a lot of electrolyte drinks are filled with artificial ingredients, coloring, and loads of sugar. Enter Element, free from all of the junk. Matt, yeah, I think you've been enjoying your element as well, haven't you? I have, and again, so has my son. He trains a lot harder than I do these days. Uh, but yeah, I really do like the element. I love, uh, I love the saltiness of it, and I love that there's nothing else in it. Yeah, I use it not just around workouts, but sometimes just to like get a boost of uh, electrolytes and, and hydration. You know, so, a hangover, so a hangover cure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say that, but maybe maybe a little bit, yeah. <laughs> Element is not just used for that. It's also used by NFL players, NBA players, and coaches, and moms, dads, and weekend warriors looking for an extra hydration, for extra hydration during a workout. Try Element today, totally risk-free, and if you don't like it, share that, share it with a salty friend, and, uh, and they'll give you your money back, no questions asked. Yeah. I'm, you're kind of my salty friend. I am kind of. I'm, I'm, I'm salty. Yeah, you're a little salty. <laughs> <laughs> Element is offering something very special to the Nomad Athlete audience. You can get a Element sample pack with all four flavors um, free. All you have to do is pay for shipping, which is just $5 in the U.S. Go to drinkelement.com slash athlete. That's drinklmnt.com slash athlete. Stay salty, everyone. Okay, so they, they feed on the fiber, and the fiber is what keeps them healthy and strong and, I'm sure, producing and that sort of thing. Um, right. Uh, fiber. Let's let's kind of dive a little bit more into what it is. You said it was a carbohydrate, which is, I didn't mm-hmm. know, so that's I'm glad, glad you cleared that up. Um, 
what uh, I guess, well, like, what is it? There's a couple different types, right? And um, mm-hmm. and it, and then you you mentioned you know your fiber needs. I think a lot of people know what maybe their protein needs are needs are or their you know their macronutrient needs. Um, what uh, you know, what, what kind of, how much fiber should most people be getting every day? Well, this is a big one. And, you know, you are so right that we spend so much time talking about protein. We're kind of, as a society, we're obsessed with protein. This is something probably that we've all, um, talked about, um, on podcasts and, um, you know, read books about, but fiber is actually what we should be thinking about. And um, we need to get between, say, 25 and 35 grams of fiber per day, depending on, you know, how active you are, what your um, calorie requirements are. Uh, But that's a good range to aim for at a start. Anyway, you can certainly go higher than that. But what is incredibly sad is that um, on average, the average American, and this is going to be someone kind of just eating the standard American diet, the average intake of fiber is 10 to 15 grams per day. Mm. So that's how far below um, the uh, standard we are in our society. And again, I'm not really speaking to plant-based people here because most of us are going to be doing much better in this regard. But the standard American diet uh, people are only eating around 10 to 15 grams. Only about 5% of Americans Um, And this is Canadians, too, um, are meeting (laughs) our, you know, I don't want to let us off up here either. Actually, I will say we're doing maybe slightly better than you guys, but not much. (laughs) Uh, So it's nothing to brag about. But, uh, you know, only around 5% of us are meeting our fiber requirements. And if we would just do that, if everyone just met their fiber requirements, I'm telling you, the impact that it would have on the prevalence of diabetes, uh, heart disease, um, certain types of cancer, uh, you know, hypertension, it would just, it would revolutionize um, the health of North Americans if we would just do that one thing of um, meeting our fiber requirements. And that, and that's because it, it, it with a healthy microbiome, your the immunity boosting properties of a healthy microbiome. Is that so? Why? It's partly. It is definitely partly because it would boost our microbiome, um, and I think we're even just still understanding all of the far-reaching aspects of the benefits of the microbiome. But it's also um, a few other things too, like when I talk about um, con- helping to control blood sugars and reducing cholesterol levels. So uh, that's when we start getting into talking about the different types of fiber. So you asked about different types of fiber. Um, soluble fiber and insoluble fiber are um, two types. So soluble fiber um, is fiber that... Um, that think of it like a mop. So soluble fibers like a mop and insoluble fibers like a broom. Okay. So the mop of soluble fiber, it soaks up water 
and becomes kind of a goopy kind of glue. It actually kind of dissolves in your gut. So if you've ever made like a flax egg for baking maybe, and you've took, mm-hmm. uh, taken, sorry, um, uh, some flax meal and put that in some water on the counter and left it for 10 minutes or done the same with chia seeds. Or if you've even prepared oats or overnight oats, you'll see how um, those uh, seeds or grains swell up with the liquid um, and they become kind of gel-like or goopy, right? Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. um, and that's actually the soluble fiber. So... Mm-hmm. I love to think about our gut in terms of kind of like a plumbing, you know? And so just imagine your gut, it it seems so mysterious, but actually, you know, there's a tube running through your body um, connected to different organs. But, uh, you know, if you imagine that gel-like substance, like chia seeds, for example, that have had water added um, to them, um, that gel-like substance going through your gut, it soaks up um, some of the stuff that we don't really want to have distributed into our bloodstream. Uh, Cholesterol, it helps to soak up uh, dietary fats, it helps to soak up blood sugars, and helps to... um, move those things through your digestive system. So then some of those things that we don't really want to have going into our bloodstream will just move right through your digestive stream and be pooped out, which is great. Um, Another thing is it might just help those things be released more slowly into your bloodstream. So helping to regulate your bloodstream, uh, your blood sugars, for example. Um, So yeah, just think about that soluble fiber as a broom, or sorry, as a mop. It's mopping up some of the stuff that we don't want to have in um, your bloodstream and some of the things we don't want accumulating in our bodies like cholesterol and just sweeping it right out in your poop, which is fantastic, mopping it out. Great. Um, So there's more reason other than just the microbiome. It's also performing some actual like physical functions. Um, You know, also the insoluble fiber, the broom, sweeping things along, just keeping things moving through your digestive system. That helps to keep your colon healthy um, and producing, um, you know, Uh, both fiber, both types of fiber, soluble and insoluble, help us to produce um, regular um, bulky stools that keep your colon healthy and keep um, your digestive tract moving well. So those are all the reasons why fiber um, is helpful in terms of reducing uh, risk of disease. It's not only about feeding your microbiome, although that's a big part of it. It's also um, reducing your bad cholesterol. It's uh, helping to absorb dietary fats, keeping your blood sugar regular, and also boosting mood, which that's a function through the microbiome. But even depression and anxiety are reduced with a, a higher fiber diet. Wow. Okay. All right. So if you're thinking about the two different types, um, soluble and insoluble, uh, are you targeting certain foods that would uh, maybe contain more soluble fiber and insoluble? Or are you just thinking like, okay, if you get enough fiber, then, then you're probably covering all your bases? To some extent, the second one is true. I don't want people to worry too much as long as you're eating a varied whole plant food diet uh, and you're getting 
uh, foods from across all of the different plant-based food groups. And so I would include uh, fruits and vegetables, uh, nuts and seeds, grains and starches, and um, also protein foods like beans and lentils and soy. If you're getting um, foods from across all of those food groups, you will be getting uh, both types of fiber. And in fact, a lot of foods will contain both soluble and insoluble fiber in the same food. And all plants have some fiber. So um, we don't have to worry too much as long as we're uh, eating a variety. But it even within, you know, as we know, uh, even within a plant-based or vegan diet, some people are, there's many different ways to be vegan. Um, and so moving towards choosing more whole grains is a good idea. Um, choosing lots of um, uh, fruits and vegetables, eating them with the skins on is good because a lot of the fiber is there in the skin. Um, and also, um, looking to, if you're looking to increase your soluble fiber, which I would encourage, um, us to do, I think that is where a lot of the wins are for the microbiome, um, and in terms of, um, cholesterol lowering, um, then you're looking at things like, um, oats are great, uh, nuts and seeds, chia seeds are great, um, apples, pears, berries, beans, all the things that I think a lot of us are eating a lot of anyway. Um, and then the insoluble fiber, the peels of the fruits and vegetables, um, whole wheat bread, um, whole grain uh, pastas, for example, brown rice. These um, are good options in terms of insoluble fiber. Uh, so you'll probably, uh, you know, already be eating um, a variety of both of those things. Uh, but if you're listening and you have maybe um, high cholesterol or high um, uh blood pressure, then focusing even more on sources of soluble fiber can help you to lower those. That reminds me of, uh, you know, back when, I mean, I guess juicing is still pretty popular, but um, when it was just becoming really popular, people, the argument against it was that um, by juicing, you were stripping away all the fiber and you weren't getting that uh, all the good fiber that you would in say a smoothie or something like that. Um, do you have any opinion on, you know, juicing and how that, um, whether that's as healthy as, as maybe eating the fruit whole? I think juicing can fit into a healthy dietary pattern. I think that juicing is almost medicinal. It's almost like a tonic in the strength of the uh, concentrated source of nutrients. It certainly is going to be a very rich source of vitamins and minerals. Um, uh, however, uh, you're right that we do strip away most of the fiber when we um, are juicing and we get more of that from eating the whole fruit or from having a smoothie. Um, I would say if you are uh, juicing, just to include juice as part of your overall um, diet. And if you're eating mostly whole plant foods, most of the time, you'll probably still be meeting your 
fiber requirements without any problem. So I don't think juicing necessarily uh, raises a red flag. Um, you know, I think you will probably get other benefits from juicing in terms of like multi-day juice fasting. If you're doing that regularly, then you may want to look uh, for ways to still try to meet your uh, fiber requirements, even uh, when you are juice fasting. And I'm not advocating multi-day juice fast, let me just say that. But if that is something that you are doing, um, then you might want to think about how you're meeting your fiber and your protein uh, requirements during that time. Cool. Okay, so going back to the foods a little bit. Um, well, I guess, first of all, thank you for <laughs> thank you for sharing that. I, I, a little bit of a tangent, I'm sure, but uh, I was just thinking for some reason what you were saying about the skins, but all the fiber being in the skins made me think of the made me think of juicing. Right. Um, if you were kind of designing, you know, I think a lot of people when they're crafting a meal, and this is, I think, carried over from how we grew up uh, eating more traditional diets. But a lot of people when they're crafting their meal, they're kind of looking for a carb and a protein and some fat and you know they're kind of looking at shaping their meal based on uh the traditional macros um when you're thinking about making a meal are you also paying attention to uh you know making sure that there's a fiber rich food in there or are you just assuming since we're eating a plant-based meal you know and you're getting beans or you're getting whole grains or things like that then then there's just there's probably enough fiber in there already I think that's right. If you're choosing a range of whole plant foods, you're probably already getting enough fiber. Um, but if you're listening and you're someone who likes to have a lot of meat alternatives, those may be a bit lower in fiber. Um, if you prefer to kind of always have white white rice, that's always hard to say, isn't it? But anyway, <laughs> white rice, instead of um, choosing maybe like barley or quinoa um, you know, or brown rice, those are going to be lower in fiber. So I think um, just remembering to choose the whole grain sources more often in terms of improving your fiber intake. Don't uh, forget your beans and lentils, nuts and seeds. Um, these are all wonderful sources of fiber and um you know, it should be included every day. But if that's the way you're already eating, the good news is if you're already eating like whole food, plant-based, and at least most of the time, then you will almost certainly be meeting your fiber requirements. You can enter it all into chronometer and then brag to your friends about how high your fiber intake is. <laughs> Do you ever worry about too much fiber? you can run into a problem of too much fiber. And someone listening here may um, say, oh, I have a problem if I have too much fiber because of IBS-like symptoms. Right. Um, so I, I have heard of people kind of really trying to push their fiber intake super high and see where their limit is. Um, and I think if you're getting up around 50 grams of fiber or higher a day, you may start running into some IBS-type symptoms. I would say at that point, 
focus or at any point along the way, if you're experiencing uh, like loose stools or gas or pain, um, then focus more on soluble fiber. That's going to be easier for your gut to handle than the insoluble fiber. So go to more towards the oats, for example, um, the seeds, uh, and keep your portions of um, beans maybe a little bit smaller. Um, cook your veggies well. That can help as well um, with those kinds of symptoms. But um, what I would suggest, and this is kind of like a, a big reveal here. Um, this is a, kind of a superfood that you might not have heard of. And I want everyone to think about adding this into their um, meal plan, especially if you're someone who's listening and you have some IBS type symptoms, A or B, if you're someone who's struggling with um, persistent high cholesterol, or if you have uh, diabetes or prediabetes, um, I've got a, a little hidden secret food for you, which is called psyllium husk. So a lot of people have not heard of psyllium husk, but I guarantee you know what it is because it is the major component of Metamucil. So mm. now here comes um, the time where it's going to be hard to sell you on that because you thought <laughs> Metamucil yeah. was something right, right. like it's laxative for your grandmother or something, this weird orange drink. But actually, <laughs> Metamucil, it's true. That's what it is. But um, actually, uh, let's forget about Metamucil um, because, you know, there are some flavorings and things like that in there that you may not want to have. But actually, the major component of Metamucil is just psyllium husk, which you can buy just psyllium husk on its own. You can buy that pretty much at any health food store. Even some supermarkets are going to have it. And it is just the husk of a seed. And um, it is a super powered fiber. You know how chia seeds soak up on the counter? Well, you've seen, you haven't seen anything until you see how <laughs> psyllium husk can soak up water and create a gel. And so that's what you want in your gut. This is that mop effect. We were talking about mopping out the bad stuff, helping create um, nice, healthy um, stools that are bulky and running nicely through your colon, cleaning everything, doing such a fantastic job in there, keeping everything running smoothly. So try some psyllium husk. You're going to want to increase this slowly. So just start with maybe a teaspoon per day into your oats or in your smoothie, or you can just mix it in a glass of water or juice. Um, and then you can go up to a tablespoon per day. Um, you can use it in your baking as well. You know how we use uh, ground flax or chia seeds to create an egg substitute. Psyllium husk does an amazing job of doing mm. that. Um, so, and actually there are some vegan cheeses you can make using psyllium husk as well to get that like stretchy mozzarella type effect um, sure. because it has that effect of being kind of goopy. Um, but that's what we want. That's what your gut wants. Um, so try psyllium husk, um, you know, and as I say, start start small um, and then build. And this can help even with lowering persistent high cholesterol. So I, I take it it comes in a powdered form? You can buy it. Excellent question. Um, psyllium husk usually comes, it looks sort of like maybe um, little flakes, like something like ground flax or nutritional yeast, something like that, mm. just like this tiny, light, very light flakes, powdery almost. But then you can also buy it in an actual powder or you can buy it in capsules if you'd really rather not um, have that effect because it will 
kind of thicken your smoothie, um, if you'd rather have not have that effect, you can just take it in a capsule that also works. Um, I tend to throw that kind of stuff, um, chia seeds, ground flax, um, psyllium husk, I'll toss that into like chili or pasta sauces, um, like lots of those kind of savory, very flavorful um, sauces. I'll toss like some ground flax. You don't even know it's there and you're boosting the fiber. You're boosting particularly the soluble fiber in the dish. And um, that's going to be good for IBS symptoms. It's going to be good for your microbiome. It's good for your heart, your blood sugar control, all of these things, um, these fantastic little fiber wins. And I kind of almost prefer it um, there where I don't even really notice it rather than in my smoothie where I do find it really thickens the smoothie. I don't mind that. I kind of like a thick smoothie, but um, it does it does change the the way that the smoothie texture is. So you know if if the, if you're not into that, if you're not into a thicker smoothie, then try it in some savory um, items like um, like uh, chili, or you could try it in your oatmeal. Cool. I'm gonna have to give that a go. I have uh, never cooked with with Salim Husk before, and uh, so that'll be that'll be a new challenge for me. <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, love that. Yeah. So you mentioned uh, easing in, and I think that's that brings up a good question that uh, is pretty common for people who, especially if they're jumping straight from a traditional diet and into a plant-based diet, is that during those first few weeks they they feel you know kind of uncomfortable and uh, mm-hmm. there's some bloating and and things like that, um, and you know a lot of them assume, and I think it's probably right to assume that part of that is just the increased fiber. Um, mm-hmm. When so when you're talking to someone who maybe is well under their fiber requirements, um, do you do you encourage them to kind of slow, gradually increase their amounts or or just go all in? Absolutely, I don't recommend going all in. I think most people, if you were one of those people we talked about at the start with the ten to fifteen grams of fiber per day, if they suddenly go to like. 25 to 35 grams of fiber per day, they're going to probably experience some uncomfortable gas, bloating, uh, maybe loose stools, that kind of thing. Um, And that's not fun. We don't want to have that experience. It's just about increasing your fiber slowly. So, um, you know, I always talk about trying to get half your plate. So um, if you... um, are a person who really doesn't eat a lot of fruit and veggies, try getting half of your overall diet in the day coming from fruits and vegetables. Um, and that may seem overwhelming for some people, you know, um, to think of half of their food coming from fruits and veggies, but there are so many ways to do it. Um, you can uh, look at a recipe and double the vegetables in the recipe. You could, if you're serving pasta, for example, you've doubled the recipe in terms of the veggies in the pasta sauce. Now also serve like roast vegetables on the side or a salad on the side or put veggies and dip at the center of the table um, or serve fruit for dessert. And just go slowly. So start by maybe increasing the fruits and vegetables in your diet. Now, um, you know, after you're kind of in the groove of half your plate, um, now just make sure you're getting enough nuts and seeds. So start throwing um, a tablespoon of uh, some kind of seed into your morning smoothie, particularly like hemp seeds or flax seed 
or into your oatmeal. Um, start having maybe a chia seeds in like overnight oats or chia pudding. Just ease uh, into having more um, nuts and seeds, which are usually a little easier to digest for most people than um, beans and lentils. Uh, then go for, you know, your beans, your lentils, your soy, um, bring those in and start small. You know, listen, you can start even just with a few tablespoons. Start with hummus. I find hummus is usually um, an easier one for people to digest. Uh, because the beans usually have been cooked for a really long time to make them easy to blend. They've been blended up. Um, and so maybe start with some hummus, add a few tablespoons of lentils into your pasta sauce when it's cooking, and then work your way up to a quarter cup, half a cup, um, you know, try things like a lentil stew um, and do the same thing with your grains. If you're used to having white rice or white pasta, um, switch it up sometimes and try, um, you know, maybe some quinoa. Um, but don't do all of these things all at one time. Um, just move slowly in the direction of increasing your fiber. And like I say, focusing on soluble fiber coming um, from oats, for example, nuts and seeds, um, you know, uh, beans in, in moderation. These things are going to be a little bit easier uh, for you to digest and are going to be more gentle on your gut. And do try that psyllium husk. <laughs> okay all right that's great uh what about with kids are there any mm -hmm. you know any anything any considerations around kids and fiber well i think just remember that they are they're smaller than us and so you know they also uh they have smaller tummies um there there is actually particularly with very young children toddlers preschoolers um, there is something to say for not giving them too much fiber because we don't want to crowd out other important nutrients that they need to have enough of. Um, fiber fills us up, which is a great thing for most adults. We want to be able to feel, feel full and feel satisfied. Um, but if you're child eats, for example, like uh, 10 cherry tomatoes or, you know, five uh, mandarin oranges, which lots of kids love to do. They're fruit monsters and they get in and just devour that. That's fantastic. It's very healthy for them, but they also really need iron. They need um, to have healthy fats. So just make sure that they're not eating um, lots of kind of low calorie density, high fiber foods. We often kind of move in that direction as adults, we want those lower calorie, higher fiber uh, foods for our health. But remember, little kids are growing, they have tiny tummies. Um, and so remember that they need those healthy fats. So avocado is a win all around because um, it's got lots of uh, healthy fats. It's also got lots of fiber. Um, so that's a great option um, for kids. Nut butters are good options, fiber and protein and healthy fats. Um, so just remember that your kids don't need that same high fiber, um, lower calorie density food that you do. They need a little more density to their foods. Fiber does not have any calories. So it's a carbohydrate, like we said at the start, it makes us feel full, but there's no calories because we are not digesting it. Hmm. Is that... 
I, that has to be, I mean, I think I know the answer to this, but, um, but that has to be partly why, you know, you can fill up really quickly on a lot fewer calories when you're eating, say, a big salad or just a really Correct. vegetable protein, or I'm sorry, vegetable uh, fruit and vegetable rich meal. Um, you know, you can fill up, you fill f- full with far fewer calories than if you're eating uh, a bunch of meat or, or grains or something like that. Exactly. And that's the whole concept behind the kind of high density, low calorie, not sorry, not high density. I mean, low calorie, high volume um, Mm -hmm. eating that is so popular in the whole food plant based movement. I know there are different ways of eating uh, plant based. I know some people do actually prefer to include like more healthy fats um, and have a little more density to their foods. But um, for most people who are eating kind of the high volume, low calorie density approach, the reason that's working for you is fiber. Um, and really, we owe so much of the success of a plant-based diet in terms of disease prevention and um, good athletic performance to fiber. I think that's a great place to end it. Yes. <laughs> so get your fiber. Yeah, absolutely. And you probably are already getting your fiber. So really just, you know, a big congratulations to everyone out there. You're probably already (laughs) doing a great job. Just pat yourselves on the back because you've probably already had fiber today. Um, Mm -hmm. But I also would say if you are encouraging other family members who are interested maybe in trying a plant-based diet, a really great way to talk to them about it, especially if they're interested in the health benefits, is just encourage them to eat more fiber because they cannot eat more fiber without eating more plants. So it's a great soft cell way to promote a plant-based diet. And there's Uh. no disagreement You know, we have disagreement in so many things in the medical and nutrition community, but I don't think you'll find any doctor anywhere who would say that fiber is not beneficial. So it's a win. I think all uh, dietary patterns uh, would still agree that eating higher fiber is good for you. So uh, just talk about fiber. Uh, It's whatever um, health concerns your family members or friends have, fiber is probably part of the answer. I love it, Pamela. I'm inspired. I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe this weekend track all of our family's meals, put it in the chronometer and and see where we are with uh see where we are with our fiber intake. Fantastic. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, uh thank you so much for doing this. Uh you know, and kind of enlightening us all on, on the forbidden topic of fiber and poop. The once forbidden, no longer forbidden. Um, Yeah, it shouldn't be forbidden. I mean, you know, like, I get it that people don't maybe want to brag about their poops, but like vegans, it's something that we should be bragging about because having healthy poops is a really healthy thing. It's one of the most uh, important things, actually, in terms of health and longevity. So be proud, you know, um, of having healthy poops. I agree. We maybe don't want to share that with everyone, but at least be quietly proud of yourself today for having a healthy digestion and healthy microbiome and eating lots of fiber. Rip Rip Esselson does a um, an engine two diet retreat, a plant strong retreat uh, mm-hmm. near my house every year, 
And, um, and I went up there to visit a friend who was attending the retreat. And uh, there's like this long driveway up to the property that they host it. And they have all these like signs that they've kind of stuck out. And my favorite was uh, honk if you've pooped twice today. <laughs> I thought that was great. <laughs> I love that. I mean, we do need to talk more about that because, uh, you know, so many people um, following a standard American diet are only pooping a few times a week. And uh, we need to normalize pooping multiple times a day um, because that actually is what is digestively normally normal and healthy and on a plant based diet. Um, you know, you probably are pooping more than once a day um, if you're eating lots of fiber. So that's good. That's actually a good thing. Sometimes people will come to me and say, oh, I'm like pooping two or three times a day now. Is that okay? That's great. That's a good thing. Okay. So don't be afraid uh, to ask questions of your dietitian or your doctor if um, you're not pooping very often or if your poop is weird um, or if uh, you're pooping more often. You know, it's, it's okay to talk about these things. It's an important physiological function. And uh, it's one of the most important ways that we detoxify our bodies every day and we keep ourselves healthy and well. So be proud of pooping and vegans are great at it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Pamela. Uh, where can people find more about you and, and the work you do? So you can find me on Facebook and on Instagram at Dr. Pamela RD on Facebook and Dr. Pamela RD on Instagram. Awesome. And you, you put out awesome, really great stuff on Instagram that I love to follow along with. So thank you for all the work you do. And thanks for coming back on the podcast. This is great. I, I think we're going to have you back on a few more times over the next several months and um, kind of hit a bunch of topics like this one. Wonderful. I look forward to that. All right. Thanks, Pamela.